1: Inside sources. Inside sources. Inside sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Today, the Supreme Court agreed to take up a case challenging affirmative action admissions policy, specifically at Harvard and at the University of North Carolina. Uh, As soon as I saw that break. I know I know the inside source to go to Renell Anderson Jones from the University of Utah College of Law, and she joins us now to help us break down this case when it will likely be heard, and what the arguments are going to be, what the ramifications might be. Uh, Renell, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Hi, nice to be with you
1: uh, so as as you saw this come across this morning uh and the Supreme Court saying they would take up the case, it looks like it's going to be a fall. Uh, hearing in the in the new session, there. Uh, what was your initial response? What is it that we should be watching for in these cases?
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, the case was just granted by the court, and so it will likely show up on their docket once October term, twenty twenty two begins. So, sometime in uh, early fall of next year, uh, I think most uh, people who have been watching this has been sitting on the courts. Um, a docket agenda for consideration for um, a couple of conferences now, and people have been sort of holding their breath waiting for it. Uh, um, I, I think most people who are who are seeing um, the decision to take the case um, think that it signals that there's a very good chance that we'll um, you know, soon enter an era in which the court will either significantly limit or um, even fully ban the consideration of race in college admissions. It, it's going to be a um, a major case, a massive case, really. Um, no matter which way it comes out.
1: Yeah, and I know as as you look at that uh, the interesting thing to me was is that the uh, the opponents in the case the students for fair admissions uh, their claim was that Harvard imposes a racial penalty on Asian American applicants by systematically scoring them lower in some categories than other applicants and awarding preferences, preference points to Black and Hispanic uh, student applicants. Uh, so this really gets to a, an interesting discussion uh, for the entire country in terms of affirmative action. And what are some of the arguments? What do you expect to hear? And what you say is obviously going to be a very massive case.
0: Yeah. Well. So, and you're right that this um, this case frames the issue in a new way, um, putting uh, sort of the rights of Asian-American applicants um, up against other racial groups, which is not the pattern that we've seen in most of the affirmative action cases that have gone to the Supreme Court in the past, which usually involves discrimination against white applicants. Uh, The the sort of situation here is that uh, the, the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause Uh, ordinarily prohibits the government from making decisions on the basis of race unless there's a very compelling, important reason. And um, for the better part of four decades, uh, colleges and universities have relied on some guidance from the Supreme Court that has said it's acceptable for you to sometimes do this. You can sometimes take race into account as long as it's just one factor amongst many in a sort of fuller, holistic review of an application. And the rationale here is that Racial diversity on campus is one of those big, important interests. It's a compelling interest. Um, students, colleges have said, um, learn better when they um, have encounters with peers who look different from them, and it enriches the learning environment for everyone. And so it's such a major, important uh, value that it can overcome this ordinarily ordinary rule that we have about the government not discriminating on the basis of race. There's been a set of important limiting rules that have accompanied that, um, that colleges you know, have to consider whether race neutral practices could achieve those goals and um, have to make sure that it's just one factor among many and that they can't use things like a blunt quota. But now what we see is the challengers are coming in and they're asking this newly constituted Supreme Court to overrule that body of precedent and to just hold that colleges can't use race. As a factor in admissions at all. And so it's a it it, um, it potentially will be a pretty significant shift in the way that college admissions have been happening for the last um, you know half century or so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really, the last 40 plus years, for sure. One of the things that was also interesting to me, would love your take on it. Uh, some are speculating. Uh, Because of the the two cases, one, Harvard, obviously a private institution, University of North Carolina, a public institution, Uh, is is there hope or is it likely that we end up seeing these cases bundled together uh, so that it deals with both private and public institutions?
0: Yeah, um, it, it's notable in, in part because the um, University of North Carolina case sort of skipped a step. Uh, it jumped the appeals process in order to get in into the queue uh, for, to be heard by the Supreme Court. And th- I think there's an assumption. It, it, it's really interesting. We have one of the nation's oldest uh, public universities and one of the nation's oldest private universities being bundled together here. And the court's decision to hear both cases um, probably was influenced by the fact that there are slightly different legal structures that apply to the two schools, right? Uh, the University of North Carolina is public, so it's it's, it's the government. Uh, and The government has to satisfy the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause, the, the sort of constitutional rule here. Harvard, as a private entity, has to comply with a federal statute, uh, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, that bans uh, race discrimination as a condition of receiving federal money. And so both of those questions, the constitutional question and the Civil Rights act question, are both on deck. And having um, the two different schools paired together in a consolidated argument will give the court the chance to either speak um, to both of them in the same direction or to parse their holdings in different directions on the basis of the constitutional rule as compared to the rule that was uh, enacted by law by Congress.
1: Yeah, and final question for you. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the changing of the court. This is a new dynamic. Uh, it has shifted. Uh, a number of those uh, judges uh, and justices that were part of these previous precedent-sending cases uh, are no longer there. The balance of the court has clearly shifted. Uh, what do you see looking ahead, and what should we be watching for as this begins to play out.
0: Yeah, I think that's the that's the key right there. Uh, the last case that we got on this was in um, an, a very different era, and it was four to three. There were actually two justices missing from um, the arguments because Justice Kagan was involved in that suit and had to recuse herself, and Justice Scalia had just died. And so we're, we're seeing an entirely newly constituted court here. But the three dissenters from that case, uh, Justices Thomas and Alito and Chief Justice John Roberts, remain on the court. And they've been joined by three Trump appointees, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh and Barrett. There's good reason to believe uh, that there's uh, every reason uh, to see that the, that the sort of median um, ideological position on the court has shifted. And uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who we've talked about before, is sort of often playing a um, something of a swing role or a moderating role on the court uh, and is f- super concerned about not overturning the court's precedence. Mm. Uh, he d- doesn't seem to be um, in that sort of position on affirmative action. He has long been a steadfast opponent um, of it. And there's every reason to believe that he'll continue um, to have concerns about affirmative action in this case.
1: Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And as always, uh, Ronnell Anderson-Jones, professor of law at the University of Utah, S.J. Quinney College of Law. Uh, thanks for helping us get some clarity, some simplicity uh, to what often is the the legal mumbo jumbo. These are crucial conversations and uh, we'll continue to tap into you as this case moves forward, as we look towards the fall and uh, what how that might shake out. Thanks for joining us today.
0: You bet. Thank you.
1: All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. Coming up, uh, Governor Cox uh, touted Utah as the last best hope in America. So what actually is it that we're doing well that other states could emulate? Our very own Dan Bomas joins us to discuss what Utah lawmakers have gotten right. Two
2: years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport.
0: She was tear gassed and beaten.